Welcome, Imaginators. Sit back, buckle in, and ignite your imagination. Hello and welcome to the Imaginate series, Season 1, The Man with the Red Umbrella. I'm Joey Massio, the author and creator of Imaginate. After this episode, we have just two more left for this season. Thank you for making it this far. And a special thank you to Avid Walker Sarah, who left a rating on iTunes and said, My six and nine-year-old kids love this podcast. The voices and sounds are really engaging and the stories are so relatable for them, with great life lessons woven into the plots. And there's always lots of laughs in our car listening to Imaginate. Sarah, I am so glad that you and your kids are enjoying the show. Thanks again for leaving such a wonderful review. If you too would like to leave a review like Avid Walker Sarah, you can do so by signing into iTunes and leaving a rating and review for our show. Uh, Or if you want to help us out, you can share the show link on whatever social media account you use the most. Here's a recap of Traitor, the last episode. After losing all his friends, Nate was extremely bitter and blamed everyone else for his problems. But when he used his imagination to mix his real-life issues with a revolutionary wartime hideout and had a literal wrestle with reality, Nate came to realize that his predicament is a straight result of his own actions. Here is Imaginate, the man with the red umbrella, episode 13, The Second Move. didn't imaginate anything for days. There was no reason to. The phone would just get him fake friends, and he couldn't imagine anything that would bring back his real ones. He sat alone at lunch all week, watching Alex, Thomas, and Claire. They didn't play football anymore. They mostly played by the oak tree. Nate watched them from his lonely spot and tried to guess what they were playing. Rescue the president, cops and robbers, zombies and lava monsters. Whatever it was, it sure looked like fun. Nate wished he could go over there and talk to them. But he couldn't. He didn't belong in their social circle anymore. The three of them were too far out of his reach. They were now the untouchable trio. One day after school, Nate moped through the front door of his house. He dropped his backpack on the floor and trudged to the living room to take up his new after-school tradition of staring blankly out the window. He sat down on the floor in front of the large picture window and settled in for a long afternoon of sulking. (laughs) Nate jumped. He turned around to find Grumps sitting on the couch behind him. He wiped his mouth with a tissue, then went back to doing the crossword. They sat in silence. This is awkward. Grumps is in my space. Well, at least he's not talking to me. Why aren't you outside? Said Grumps. Great. Huh? Grumps sputtered as he filled in the black and white boxes with letters. Kids should be outside playing. I don't feel like a grump, Grandpa. Yeah, I I know what you're calling me. Go ahead. It's, It's true, after all. Grumps always sounded like he was angry, 
Even when he asked Grandma to pass the salt, the way he said it made it seem like he and the salt had a long history of hating each other. You don't feel like playing outside? It's a beautiful day! I don't want to talk about it. Nate looked forlornly out the window. Oh, 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 you don't, do you? Oh, well, yeah, well, that's too bad. I'm old, and old people always get their way. That was true, so Nate didn't bother to argue. Spill the beans, huh? What's the matter with you? Nate never had this kind of opportunity before to talk to an adult about his problems. His parents were always too busy with feeding, clothing, and doing other things to keep the younger kids alive to give him any one-on-one time. His grandpa wasn't his preferred adult, but it was the best he had at the moment. Grumps? It felt weird calling him his nickname to his face. Have you ever been able to do what others can't? Of course! Everyone can do something other people can't. What if it's something big? Something... Something like what? Nate hadn't told his parents about his ability. He certainly wasn't going to tell Grumps. Something that can make people like you. Grumps folded up his newspaper and leaned forward. Someone once told me something important, and now I'm going to tell it to you. So listen up. Never use your talents to get fame. Talents are only given to you to to serve others, not yourself. Nate felt a twinge of remorse inside. That sounded exactly like him these past few weeks. Well, just look at all the people in history. Grumps waved his cane around with energy. All of the worst leaders used their power to get gain, to get what they wanted. And all of the best leaders used their power to help other people. But the good people were famous, too. A valid point, he thought. Yes, but they weren't seeking fame. If you seek to be famous, you'll never be happy. Fame never satisfies. Then what should I do with my talent? Have you not been listening? Grumps whacked Nate with his cane a few times. Use it to help other people. Nate tried to deflect the cane with his arms, but the old man was surprisingly quick. All right, I got it, I got it. Good. Grumps put the cane down. Oh, and uh, and keep good people around you. They'll help you stay in check. Do you have some of those? Nate looked out the window with his sad face again. I did. Stop it with the poor me face! Grumps reached for his cane. Okay, I'm stopping. Look! Nate put on a fake smile. If you lost those good people, then get them back! I don't know how. Have you tried? Not really, no. Jeepers! Grumps lifted his cane into the air. Nate braced himself for another whacking session. Luckily, Grumps seemed too upset for accuracy. Don't tell me you don't know how to do something when you haven't even tried. The cane returned to a non-whacking position. I worry about the future with you kids running things. The government, the economy, my pension. Nate wasn't sure what that last one was, but Grumps was very upset about it. Should I go talk to my friends? Make the first move? No! Grumps regained composure. Go talk to them, yes, but don't make the first move. Never make the first move. Back in my boxing days, your dad told you I was a boxer, right? 
Yes? Nate vaguely remembered his dad mentioning it. Something about Grumps being hit in the head too many times. I was a world-class boxer. You know what my strategy was? Always make the second move. The second move? Yes. Wait to see what they're going to do first. Then you counter with what will best help you win. If you go in there with a plan and then find out things aren't the way you thought, well, now your plans are all drunk. It's a sure way to lose. The first move will become garbage, a waste of energy and time. And sometimes you only get one move to make. So, I should punch my friends? It's a metaphor! The cane whacking lasted a little longer this time, and his grandpa's accuracy had returned. Go see what they're thinking. What are they going to do when you approach them? Throw rocks at you? Yell at you to go jump off a bridge? Stand there and wait for you to apologize, hug you and sing Kumbaya? You get the point. How are you going to know what to do unless you know what's in their heads? Strangely enough, that made sense. Nate thought of all the times he made the first move and it didn't work out. Accusing his brother of stealing the robo-robber, pretty much everything he did to impress the trio, even making the deep freezer to fight against the man with the red umbrella. In each of these cases, he should have waited to act. Grump settled back into the couch and opened up his crossword. Now go outside and play. I need to think of a six-letter word for rutabaga. The next morning, Nate waited in front of school to talk with Alex and Thomas. He didn't want to be without his two best friends a minute longer than he needed to be. He stood by the front entrance, a little excited and a little nervous. Don't be nervous. Just let them make the first move and hit them with an apology. Don't actually hit them. Just say you're sorry. Alex and Thomas came around the corner. Nate waved at them from across the parking lot, a little too excitedly. He could see Thomas squinting in his direction. Nate realized his arm looked more like it was being electrocuted than waving. Distracted by Nate's frantic waving, Thomas bumped right into someone. A big someone. A big, mean bully someone. And that big, mean bully someone dropped his school binder into the mud. Nate's eyes went wide. Bruce looked down at his folder. There was a particularly bright piece of construction paper sticking out of it that was covered in random cutout pictures and a fresh layer of mud. He looked over to Thomas. Gomez, you got my college all dirty. Nate was fairly certain he meant collage, as in Mrs. Witten's collage project that was due today. I spent all night working on it. Sorry. Bruce shoved Thomas to the ground. Chill out, Bruce. It was an accident. Yeah? Like the football to my face was an accident. Bruce got in Alex's face. What's going on over there? A teacher headed toward the commotion. After school, you two and me in the far parking lot. What I'm going to do to you will be no accident. Bruce walked away, ignoring the teacher's calls. Nate was horrified.
Bruce just challenged them to a fight. Both of them. Thomas has never fought anyone in his whole life. And I don't think Alex knows how to throw a punch. This is not good. It was all my fault. Alex helped Thomas off the ground. Hey, you all right? Yeah. Why did you have to bump into the one guy at school that beats people up for fun? Thomas peered across the parking lot, but Nate had already ducked out of sight. Well, that went horribly, horribly wrong. All Nate could think about for the first part of the day was Bruce's enormous fists grinding his two best friends into a fine powder and how they are definitely never going to forgive him now. He didn't know what to do until he got a little encouragement, a little nudge. It came in the form of an unexpected visit at the end of recess. Claire tapped Nate on the shoulder. Nate? Uh, Claire, hi. Nate was surprised to see her. He looked around for Alex and Thomas. They weren't there. Did you hear about the fight? Yeah, I did. Claire brushed her hair from her eyes. Can I ask you a favor? Um, sure, I guess. Can you make sure it doesn't happen? She said it like she knew Nate could, like he had the power to stop it. Alex and Thomas have been my only friends since I moved here, and I would really like to make sure they stay in one piece. Yeah, Bruce is kind of ten stories taller than me, so I don't really know what I could do. Yes, you do. Claire spoke firmly for a quiet 12-year-old girl. They need you, Nate. They might be mad at you right now, but they need you. You. Not the trio. Not some magical football. They need you. They need your imagination. Nate froze. Magical football? Gasp. She knows something. Change the subject. Change the subject. Why should I help them? They don't even like me anymore. They say the same thing about you. Claire threw her arms up. Get over it already. Man, boys can be such girls sometimes. This was the loudest Nate had ever seen her. You guys are friends. You stick together. I mean, look, none of you guys have the power to fight your way out of this. No offense. But you... You have the power to think your way out. There she goes again. What does she know? Uh, You three look like you have a lot of fun. The four of us would have even more fun. That is, if you boys would stop being dumb. That was an insult, but the way she said it almost made Nate smile. Nate went back to class with a new determination. He sat at his desk and started brainstorming. Think of a plan. I could imagine something, but what? A giant bully-smashing mallet? Because that would be normal. No, a spaceship that flies by and distracts Bruce. Maybe you could even abduct him. That would be nice too, but but no. I could imagine a drill that would go into the earth and cause an earthquake, making everyone run for their life. That sounds dangerous. Ugh. Maybe Bruce will just cool off and forget the whole thing. Any chance of that happening disappeared when Mrs. Witten pulled Bruce aside to talk about how he didn't turn in his collage project. Apparently, Bruce didn't do his homework too often. Nate could almost see anger bubbles boiling throughout Bruce's body, rising to his head and coming out of his face through snarls and intense glares. The class was trying not to watch, but Bruce getting talked to by a teacher was far more interesting than the Chapter 9 reading in their Grammar Adventure textbook. 
Nate could tell Bruce didn't like the attention. He would shoot stares at the class, and anyone who was peeking up from their book would shove their nose back in it. Nate noticed Bruce's stare would frequently go to Chris Jenkins, who was neither reading nor looking at Bruce, but texting on his phone under his desk. That's it. Nate thought of a wondrous plan. A perfect plan. A plan that would save the lives of his two best friends. And he wouldn't have to imaginate a thing. Nate took out a piece of paper and wrote something on it. He folded it up and passed it to Ricky Smith, who sat on his left. Ricky took the note with a questioning look. Nate just shrugged and subtly nodded to Jason Peabody, who sat on the other side of him. Jason didn't write or even know about the note and was busily doing his work. But Ricky couldn't think the note came from Nate. Right now, Nate's social clout was at an all-time low. Ricky opened the note and read it. Alex and Thomas are fighting Bruce after school. We should go back them up. Ricky wrote a response and passed the note back to Nate to pass along to Jason. The response Ricky wrote said, What? Bruce is going to murder them. Are you sure? However, Nate passed a different note to Jason. Jason looked at Nate, and Nate nodded over to Ricky, who gave Jason the Read what I wrote, eyes. Jason discreetly opened the note and read it. Alex and Thomas are fighting Bruce. A bunch of people are going to support them. Are you in? Jason looked back at Ricky and nodded yes. Ricky nodded back an affirmation. Bingo. Nate's plan was off. A few more notes written in pseudonymity before lunch, and a bunch of, I heard, and everyone is going to on the blacktop, and pretty soon Garrett was even coming up to Nate to tell him he better be at the fight, like it was his own idea. Nate smiled at the mastery of his plan. There are two things you can always rely on in middle school. Everyone gossips, and everyone loves a fight. They're not particularly good things, but you can count on them nonetheless. After school, the far parking lot was a zoo of students. It was the perfect place for a fight, really, just far enough away from campus that teachers couldn't tell what was going on, and close enough to the park next door to make large gatherings inconspicuous. Alex and Thomas were surprised to see so many people there. To be honest, they all weren't exactly there to support them, per se. Some were there to see them get pounded into the asphalt. Others were there because they heard there would be free food. And some just wandered over because they didn't want to miss out on anything. Nate stood back by a bench in the park, a little ways from the commotion. He scanned the crowd to make sure the final piece of his plan was in place. And they were. Three heads standing together and looking down at their phones. He knew the trio would hear about the fight somehow, probably on Zipster. He also knew they wouldn't want to miss out on anything they could post about. Lastly, Nate knew if the untouchable trio were there, in the midst of a crowd rumored to be supporting the underdogs, then Bruce the bully wouldn't dare show up. Oh, hey, loser. Spencer jumped up and sat on the back part of the bench. What do you want, Spencer? I came to watch your friends get beat up. Nate didn't realize his little rumor had spread up to the eighth grade gossip circle. 
I was going to grab some popcorn, but I didn't want to miss it. No one is getting beat up. I'm proud of you, little bro. Proud of what? You ditched your dweeby little friends just in time. Now they're going to get squashed into baby food and you're not. Even though you're the reason Bruce hates them so much to begin with. No one is getting squashed or mashed or anything. Bruce won't show up. Why not? Do you think he's scared of your little ex-friends? They're losers. Nate had finally had enough of his brother. They are not losers. We are not losers. Yeah, we're 12 years old and we still like to play pretend. But that's better than pretending we're someone we're not. Nate was proud of this revelation. His brother just thought he was dumb. Ten minutes later, there was still no Bruce. Alex got excited as he watched people leave. We win by default, right? A win like this will look great on my resume. Claire sighed in relief. You're not getting beat up today. I count that as a win. Yeah, said Thomas. The three of them headed down the street. Nate was eager to catch up to them. This would be the perfect time to try and make amends. You know it's not over, right? Spencer hopped off the bench. He didn't show, Spencer. He's changed his mind or moved on. Nate thought about it. Right. You think he's done with them? He's a bully. If bullies have an itch, they scratch it. Your friends are his itch. He didn't show today, sure, but there's always tomorrow. Spencer smirked in delight. See you at home, loser. <laughs> then Spencer walked off in a direction that was not home. Is he right? Are Alex and Tommy still in trouble? If so, we can handle it. Even more reason to be friends again. Nate looked down the street. A few blocks away, Alex, Thomas, and Claire turned the corner. Nate threw on his backpack to head after them. He suddenly stopped cold. A few blocks away, walking out from behind a large bush, was Bruce. He glanced up toward the school where the crowd of Alex and Thomas's backup were heading home. Then, turning the corner, he followed Alex, Thomas, and Claire. Spencer was right. It wasn't over. Nate had made the first move. Bruce had made the second. Voices for this episode were provided by the gabbily gifted Bobby Massio, Michael Rosenbaum, Dana Sobel, and myself as Grumps. Imaginate theme music by the master ivory tickler himself, Jeffrey Larson. Until next time, Imaginators. And remember, sometimes things don't go as planned, but it's your ability to make the change in plans work in your favor that determines how successful you are in life.